It is well, it is, it is well with my soul. You give me peace, peace like a river. You're always providing when I'm not at ease. You know what I need. You're there holding my hand, who has in the lows. I know that you won't, you won't let me down. What's up, Jesus people? Is Ursula? Hey, 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 and AJ. Welcome to the One Lost Sheep podcast. Good morning, Ursula. Good morning, AJ. <laughs> <laughs> this episode was was hard. I like that you thought this episode was really hard, and I was like, I loved it. Why did you love it so much? I just think that I learned so much. Well, why don't you introduce it? So today's episode is called Hell, and we're going to focus on hell <laughs> and all about it. It's uncomfortable to learn about and to it's speak uncomfortable about. to say. I feel like I'm swearing, but yeah. then I have to understand, like I'm not. It's just a place. Well, we'll, well find we're going to talk we'll, about we'll, that today. <laughs> It is and it's not. <laughs> That's true. That's true. We'll get into it. I feel like churches don't talk about hell other than to say it exists. But then they also say, you know, it's, it's a place of fire. And, and that's all true because the Bible does say that. But it it also says that it's complete and utter darkness. And so those two things very much contradict each other. And so it can't be a place of utter darkness if it's also a place of fire because fire gives light. Yeah. You know, so the what we learned through this episode is that there is no clear description of hell. There's a lot of things that have been said about it, but none of them paint a clear picture. But what we did do today is extract the things that are truths about hell. And we're going to talk about those. I feel like I'm getting emotional because it's complex and really hard to understand. I'm so literal. And some of it is like to differentiate between like the symbolic part and the literal part. My brain was all over the place. So this one was this one was it's hard to hear it. Yeah. And think about hell. <laughs> For sure. Um, okay. So can we go back to the super fun question? Okay. You want to do it now? I do. I want to okay, start there. That's fine. So we're going to go out of order today, which is giving me hives, but AJ. <laughs> okay. So AJ, what natural disaster occurred at the time of Jesus's death? An earthquake? Yes. No, for real. For real. Are you kidding? I hate you. <laughs> I just literally got that right. Okay, so can, I'm feeling so good right now. The Bible does talk about the temple splitting, but the fact actually comes from a Samaritan historian named Thallus, who was alive at the same time as Jesus. And he wrote a three-volume history of the first century Mediterranean world. Um, and in his writings, he talks about the moment of Jesus's death, the whole world became blanketed in a darkness. And uh, the rocks were uh, shaken by an earthquake. I just don't even know how I knew that. <laughs> because you're obviously a genius. That's true. How do you- <laughs> and with that being said, let's go. Let's go. Okay. I was honestly just going to start with the fact that hell is separate from God. Should we start there? Yeah. That's the first most basic fact about hell. Talk about that. Which I didn't ever think about before a couple days ago, a week ago. <laughs> Um, okay, so I dove into Second Thessalonians, and I'm just going to read part of it. The Apostle Paul wrote this. So he wrote, he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. So right there, it says they will be shut out from his presence. Okay, so just completely separate from God. Yes. That's so, what, that's most basic. That's what hell is. Yeah. And then I found other 
Bible verses to go along with this. So Matthew says, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you curse, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So he's saying, depart from me. Again, away from me. Okay, so then also in Matthew, which I'm going to get into in a second, in the parable of the wedding banquet, he also explains that further, which I'll get into. But cool. I mean, you can... It's a separation. Okay, yeah. Go ahead, Urs. (laughs) Well, so the second um, most basic truth about hell is hell is going to be outside of heaven. I think there is a common misconception that it's going to be heaven above, hell underneath. It's not going to be like that. And so the most popular word in the New Testament used to describe hell is Gehenna. Okay. And I'll give an example. Jesus used the word Gehenna when he said, it is better for you to enter into life maimed than to go to Gehenna, the fire that shall never be quenched. Okay. So let's look at what Gehenna was. Yeah. And I did not know this either. I learned this also, actually, through the studies. So Gehenna was an actual deep, narrow valley just outside of Jerusalem, just south of the city. Okay, it was a, it was believed at the time of Jesus's uh, ministry to be like a smoldering garbage dump. Okay, outside the city walls of Jerusalem, lovely. It's believed that that's where they threw bodies of criminals or dead animals. It was the burning ground for like all the sewage and the refuse of the city, so it would have been constantly burning. Sulfur would have been added to keep the fires burning. So it's believed in Jesus's time just to be like a smoldering, smelly, disgusting garbage dump. However. In the Old Testament, this place was a place for pure evil. I mean, it was literally a hell on earth. So that same word is in the Old Testament? Yep. It also refers to the same valley, Gehenna. And in the Old Testament, it was a place for sorcery, idolatry. You know, I just want to warn everybody listening. It was a place of child sacrifices. Eventually, the, the child sacrifices stopped, but everyone that Jesus was speaking to would have gotten an immediate picture of what he was referring to. You know, So he was trying to paint this picture that they're separate from each other. Crazy. I know. It's like, especially talking about Gehenna right now, I just feel sick. Yeah. I think we all just Ugh. assume heaven and hell is separate, you know? Yeah, but I but I did. I just always assumed that it was underneath us. And I think again, because like for example, in Revelation, when Jesus says the enemy will be under our feet. Yeah. You know, so you're thinking, oh, okay, but that, but he's referring to us to a battle. Yeah. You know, before we started this, you said we just have to have faith in God, and that's just true. Yeah. We just have to do our best faith to is, understand it. Faith is all of the things that we don't understand yet, but he promises we will someday. It's just leaning on him. You know oh, what I do you know you what always I always say the most beautiful things. Oh, that was good. You're so that cute. Thanks, AJ. I feel like we were like really nice to each other for a second. Let's not do <laughs> Feels that a little anymore. off. It feels imbalanced right now. <laughs> the one episode we're talking about hell, we're nice to each other. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> it's a sign that Jesus is present. <laughs> true, true. Um, But, you know, it's like I was thinking about my relationship with Jesus and I was trying to I was trying to think, how can I explain it? How can I explain it? And I was watching this movie with my children and we were watching The Big Friendly Giant. Oh, I've never seen the movie. I read the book, though. It's so cute. It's a great movie. But there is this scene that that I feel like perfectly describes my relationship with Jesus or how I feel about Jesus. Okay, so this little girl befriends this giant and he's always watching over her and she knows he always is. Even if she doesn't see him, she knows he's there. And she goes on her balcony one night. Goosebumps. I (laughs) like actual. And as soon as she goes out on the balcony, 
she's calling out to him and she's calling out to him and and sh- and he's not appearing because he feels like he's dangerous to her so he, like that's obviously not the part that reminded me of Jesus but in the, for the sake of the movie he doesn't want her to know he's there cuz he doesn't want them to have contact anymore but she's determined and so she jumps off of this two story balcony knowing that he's going to catch her and that is i was like that is how i feel about jesus i don't see the evidence of him in front of me but i know he's there that's a good that was a good one that's a good analogy i like to know everything so i have a hard time like wait i need to understand i need to know and you're right i need to step back trust faith yep okay do you want to what's the third fact about hell from the bible So the next one is hell is our choice, which it is. So um, in this one, it's a parable that Jesus was speaking of. And again, a parable is just a lesson. So in this one, Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. So you have God is the king, Jesus is the son. So he sends out his servants to tell the ones invited like to come and they refuse. They went off to their fields and to their businesses, which is exactly what we do. We just tend to our normal life and forget, forget about the rest. And then some of them even killed the servants. So the king destroys the murderers and then he burns their city. So then he tells his servants to go out and invite everyone. Everyone is invited. So the servants go out and they invite everybody. Good, bad, everybody. Everybody. Wow. Yep. Which just goes to show uh-huh. we're all invited. It does not matter who you are. You are invited. It's an invitation. It's a choice. Yep. That's yeah. awesome. So, and it says good and bad. Yeah. God said Jesus and invited all of us. <laughs> it's so true. Okay. That's awesome. Give me something good. Uh, the fourth fact about hell is that God's power pummels hell's power. There is no comparison. There's no comparison. But there's this story in the Bible that I think does an excellent job demonstrating it, and it's kind of creepy. So it's in Mark and Luke, uh, the same story, and I like that they both put it in because Luke's story is much more detailed, and it kind of fills in some details that Mark's doesn't have. So let me get my Bible because I don't want to miss any of these details. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This story is creepy. Did I say that already? Yeah, you sure did. Creepy. Okay, so Jesus gets off the boat um, in the country of Gerasenes, and immediately this man approaches him, this man with an unclean spirit. So he was possessed. And this was a, a big man. Okay, and he and he came out from the, from across the way. There were some tombs, and that's where he basically lived. And so he came up to Jesus. Now, a little bit of background about this man. He was possessed, and the townspeople were terrified of him. He had so much strength, they couldn't subdue him. They tied him with chains and they shackled his arms and legs and he always broke free of them. And this man was tortured and possessed and he walked to the hills and the mountains and he just roamed. And all he did was he would like cry out and cut himself with stones. And he also wore no clothes. So he was this giant naked man who's possessed, wailing out and cutting himself. And so these townspeople were absolutely terrorized by this man. And so from Luke, we know that this has also been going on for a long time. He doesn't specify how long, but it's been a while. He goes up to Jesus. This man goes up to Jesus and he ran and fell down before him. Okay. And crying out with a loud voice, he says, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Do not torment me, he says. I know. I know. It it makes no sense. Just wait. And Jesus says to him, what's your name? And the man replies, my name is Legion, 
for we are many. Okay, so he was not tormented by one demon. He was tormented by, we come to find out from Luke, about 2,000 demons. Tor- for real? Mm-hmm. So, he, so he, they're begging Jesus. They're saying, do not torment me, son of the most high God. So there was a great herd of pigs feeding there on the hillside, right? And they begged him saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. And so Jesus sent the unclean spirits out to the pigs, which numbered about 2,000. And so the spirits, the demons entered the pigs, and then the pigs actually were by a cliff, and they jumped off the cliff and basically committed mass suicide. (laughs) To their death. To their death. So this man then says to Jesus, he's like, please let me go with you. Like, let me travel with you. And Jesus is like, no go tell the people what I've done, you know? And so this man goes to town and now he's dressed and he's in a sane mind. So they can automatically see that he's healed and he starts telling them. And, you know, obviously the whole town saw this great miracle. But the the point of this story is to show the demonstration of God's power versus Satan's power. Okay. This these demons have completely overtaken this man. I mean, you have to get this image that he's so strong. He breaks chains and shackles. And look how he reacts when he sees Jesus. 2,000 demons see Jesus and fall to their knees in horror. Wow. Power of Christ. All right, my friend. Oh, what you got? Okay. So our next point is that Hell is a place of self-torment. So bear with me. In the story of the rich man and Lazarus, um, there's a rich man. He's dressed in fine clothing, purple, which I ended up finding out. They use dye from snails. So it's like really high-end stuff. Yeah, it's real expensive. So this man was rich and lived in luxury. And then on the other side of that, we had a beggar who was named Lazarus. And the rich man's not named, um, just for some context, not important at all. (laughs) But anywho, the beggar named Lazarus He was at the gate of the rich man and he's covered in sores and the dogs would lick them, which probably is going to cause infection. So he's longing to eat. So the beggar dies and the angels carry him to Abraham, to to Abraham's side, who is is that's considered a blessed place. Uh, And then the rich man dies and he was buried and he's in Hades and he sees Abraham with Lazarus by his side. So he asked, like, he asked Abraham, like, send Lazarus to cool my tongue from from the fire. And and Abraham tells him, like, hey, you received good things in your lifetime and Lazarus received bad. And now he's comforted, you know, and you're not. He also tells him that there is, which goes back to hell is separate, which I was saying earlier. He also tells him that there is actually he he can't help him because he says between us and you is a great chasm that has been set in place. So no one can cross. Okay. So just side note, I mean, again, separate. They Mm -hmm. can't get to each other. So the rich man asks him, hey, send Lazarus to go and, and warn my family. Like, I don't want them to be in this place of torment like me. And Abraham says, like, hey, they have Moses and the prophets. Mm-hmm. Like, they should know. And he's like, no, they'll, they'll believe it if someone from the dead goes and tells them and they'll repent. And Abraham's like, no, they won't. Yeah. You know? So it's just going to say, like, we have all the tools. Yeah. He's there because he wasn't he wasn't believing. So hell is a place. It's a self-inflicted. self-inflicted. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
It is. It's it, it it's self-inflicted. Okay, yeah, wow. So that's just the point we're trying to make here. You know, like you said, God left us the tools that we need. You know, it's like, okay, think about <laughs> think about times that you've given someone that you love or or a gift that you love that you bought for somebody. Right? Think of how many times like you've given somebody and and you give them this gift and you're like you're jumping out of your seat because you can't wait for them to open it, right? You're just yeah. like, open it, open it. It's going to be good. And I wonder how, like, God's gift to us is literally the Bible. And the gift of the Bible is eternal life. And yeah. I wonder how he's looking at us, at some of us that haven't even opened that gift. You know, he's like, he's pushing across this Bible and he's just like, <laughs> there you go. Open it. <laughs> like, it's got the best gift inside, you yeah. know? And how many of us are just like, eh, I'll wait. Yeah. And reading and learning about hell. Listen, I had to do a heart check. Do our check over here, but it's like, what am I doing with the invitation? IRSVP'd, yes. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. And the last fact about hell. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Forgot about you. This one <laughs> is kind of a mic drop. Hell exists because of love. Bear with me now. Okay. Hell is not a statement that God doesn't love you, it's proof that He'll not force us to love Him back. So we all say, we all cool, 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 cool. <laughs> we all say that you know when you love someone, you have to let them go, and if they love you, they'll come back. Okay, so God would never coerce us into loving Him. He gives us free will, but like we just said, He has given us the gift. He's just and the invitation. He's just waiting for us to accept it. Right? We have to stop thinking about hell and heaven as a location. It's more about a relationship than a place. It's like you said, it's a separation from God. So it's a place to go for those who don't love God back. And in Titus 3.5, the Apostle Paul writes, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. So do you know what that means? No. It truly means <laughs> that it is only a choice. You either accept or you don't because it's nothing by what you've done. Not by works. It doesn't matter how many good things you've done. It doesn't matter how many bad things you've done. It truly does not matter because our works do not determine whether we go to heaven. Jesus said, for man, it is impossible. It's impossible for man. It is only through the grace of God. He has extended that invitation. For all the times that I sat there and I was like, oh my God, I did this, I did this, I did this. He doesn't care. Yeah. You know, he doesn't care. He's still invited me. We'll take care of the other stuff. But he just first wants to make sure I, I accept the invitation. It checks out. It checks out. <laughs> I had so many questions while we were studying this. I know. And you know, hey, if anyone has any questions, please feel free to go to our website, www.tolspodcast.com. There's a contact form. Feel free to email us and ask us if you have any questions. So we'd be happy to look into anything else. I think it's important to talk about this. Yeah. Mic drop, episode over, done. <laughs> well, hey guys, like we said earlier, join us in two weeks when we start our two part on heaven. This is gonna blow your mind. It's blow I've been my mind has been blown every day studying for this, and I'm so excited. Next one, uh, next episode, I won't cry while we're praying. Or you'll be crying <laughs> of happiness. Yeah, tears of joy. Tears <laughs> of joy. I'll be so fulfilled. And now getting into the testimony. This is a really special one for me. This is my beautiful daughter, Cadence, sharing her story. Oh. Enjoy. To be honest, when my mom asked me to do this testimony, I wasn't sure about it. 
I've known God since I was little because of my mom's faith. I remember having a strong relationship with him. I would pray every night the same prayer that I had memorized. I would read the same print test Bible. I went to church. I even remember my mom telling me I once argued with someone who wasn't a believer trying to reason with them when I was only five. But as I got older, life took its toll on my childhood faith. In the past years, I have felt my faith being tested. I've questioned God. I left my church youth group in high school for the wrong reasons, a group that had a hand in my faith as well. I stopped wanting to go to a church that I once jumped out of bed for. I have been mad at God. I've made choices I know wouldn't please Him. I've ignored Him in my life, and I've used Him as a way to please my mom. My relationship with Him has been back and forth and hard. Society can make faith difficult and easy to lose sight of. It's easy to ignore Him and do what everyone else is doing, to be like them, even when I wasn't being myself. But the funny thing is, He's always been at work in my life. I just wasn't paying attention. And sitting here writing this, I look back and see his hand so clearly, and how I somehow always resort to him. Last year, I ended up back with a youth group. It felt natural, safe. I made friends that had faith, and I looked up to them. But deep down, I still didn't know if I belonged. They were all so sure. I did miss going to church while away at college. It did feel good to have a community again. I also enjoyed a Christian concert with my mom and a friend. I know that might not seem like much, but I'm still working on what my faith looks like. Recently, I found myself in a situation that was bringing me a lot of pain and anxiety. I didn't know what to do and I couldn't figure out a solution. And after a while of feeling awful, I caught myself praying, seeking God for an answer I couldn't find. How funny that when life gets hard, I find myself praying to a God I question. I gave my worries to Him and He took care of it. It's always worked out. I can't tell you how many times in my life things have happened and I ignore the obvious. It's his work, though not always on my timeline. Even in my doubt, it's like something in me knows it's him. Goes to him when nothing else is working. I am the best version of me when I surround myself with God and God-like people and try to live by his standards. Even when I fail or don't want to. Even when I don't feel good enough because I make mistakes. Even when I feel judged by others. This testimony is hard to write because truly my story is still happening. There hasn't been a defining moment, just a million small moments that have fed my faith even when I didn't know it, even when I don't always choose him. I hope someone listening can relate. What I do know is, my faith might have been given to me by my family, but as I get older, I can see with my own eyes. I see his goodness and blessings when I'm actually looking. I know what it feels like to live with God and without, and I can say without a doubt, my life is better with him in it. I just put him in the background sometimes. I'm currently working on that. I'm still learning, but I know he's there and I've watched him change the lives of the people surrounding me too, and I'm so thankful for them and a God that gave them to me. If this episode moved you, feel free to like, subscribe, and share, and join us every other Thursday. Also, if you'd like to share your testimony, please email us at info at tollspodcast.com. And as always, may God bless you. And may the Spirit fill you. 